What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Fourth and Infinity. This is our Week 15 recap. We're getting close to the end of the NFL season. This was maybe the craziest week of the entire year, so naturally we're going to try and get through this quicker than we usually do for a variety of reasons. I'm going to be out of town and I won't be able to edit this, so we're basically going to try and do this live to tape and also get through a little quicker than normal episodes would be. Is it going to work? Probably not, but that's the uh, goal that we're going to have here. Uh, so we're going to get right to it after I introduce all of you, which I always forget to do. Uh, <laughs> First off, I'll introduce everybody. Bobby, how you doing? I'm doing real good. Yeah, you are. Uh, I, I, I still don't know what's quite happening. Um, <laughs> what is meaningful football in December? Uh, it's been a while, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, you are up to seven and seven now, I believe. Mm-hmm. We are six of the last seven games. Yeah, that's... started one and six, went six and one after. That's <laughs> pretty, pretty incredible. Pretty damn good, folks. Pretty damn good. Speaking mm-hmm. of pretty good, Jay, how you doing over there? Things are looking uh, pretty good over here. Uh, another week, another win, and uh, seven in a row, three more to go. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, you're doing well, and we'll get into that pretty damn quick. Uh, but last but not least, Arcadio, how are you doing over there? Uh, Not too bad. Jay, you said your team won, right? And did Bobby, Bobby, your team won as well. Nick, did your team win? They did, actually, yes. We check double check really quick we gotta crunch some numbers my team my team won as well oh look at that that's a four by four so wait, that's a, that's that's a, a four by four hey wow. look at that another one it's been a couple weeks although we've been pretty close i think in the weeks since then but yeah it was a good week for all of our teams as far as that goes uh so we'll get right into the games themselves and we'll go through all the success that we had but we'll start as usual with first down and the primetime games uh so we'll start with thursday night football which was a niners game for jay to talk about so this was the niners and the seahawks the niners were able to clinch the nfc west if they won this game and jay did they do that yeah uh it was kind of surprising um i think uh i may have mentioned it i mentioned it last time on the pod when we were putting games that like uh, the Niners usually go to Seattle and get cooked. Like uh, they do not have a very good history of playing in Seattle. I think they've only won there once or maybe twice, and one of those times was in 2019 on this like insane goal line stand to win the to win the division. Uh, so they did it again um, this time around. But this time around was uh, significantly easier. I mean, the game looked a lot more collected. I think it, Seattle's falling a bit back to earth. Um, and I think their final uh, record will reflect that they are a uh, a good, bad team instead of a bad, good team. Uh, and so uh, the Niners went in there and took care of business. I mean, it was it felt pretty dominant. I think the score is a little bit misleading because uh, they couldn't get like they weren't able to like make points out of all, all their drives. But their defense was pretty dominant throughout the game. And um, that's really what's starting to click uh as the season wears on is is a powerful defense and then the offense made enough plays uh i think brock purdy's ability to just be poised and make plays when it matters is what is keeping us in games and i wouldn't say he's like alex smith levels of quote-unquote game manager but he's not uh he's not a tier one quarterback he's not like an elite quarterback i would say he's he's in that kirk cousins world of, of quarterbacks um although maybe Kirk Cousins is good. I don't know. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, it's good. Uh, and with that Niners lock up the NFC West. And I think the way that things have unfolded, the Niners have also officially locked up the three seed so they can be no worse, even if they lose all the remaining games than the three seed. Uh, 
and they could have been the two seed, but crazy stuff happened this weekend. Uh, but overall, good win. Uh, Niners look good. Uh, we keep trudging along. We play the Commanders this Saturday. And another game I may or may not be in attendance for. Ooh. Yeah, uh, so like you said, this score is a little closer than the actual game felt. It was 21-6 most of the fourth quarter, and then the Seahawks got mm-hmm. a touchdown to cut it down to an eight-point game uh, within two minutes, or pretty close to that. It uh, looks like 335 left in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, for most of the game, it was fairly well out of reach. The Niners defense was doing their job, and like you said, the offense was doing just enough. This is basically the formula that they need if they're going to win games, because especially with a couple weapons missing right now, obviously, the quarterback, they're on a third stringer, but he's doing okay. And with Debo missing for the time being, um, this is pretty much just their formula. It's what they need to do. They need to get you on defense, and then the offense just does just enough to keep the game out of reach, which is what they did here. Mm-hmm. Feed the ball to McCaffrey and now Kittle with those uh, with those big players out. So it's what they did, and it yeah. worked out. Yeah, McCaffrey had like I want to say in the first three quarters of the game, basically every touch in the first half of the game. The stats were pretty insane about how much they were feeding McCaffrey, and uh, it's pretty uh, effective way to win. That's how the Panthers won for I don't know how long, but uh, we shall see. Uh, we shall see how uh, effective it plays off because that usually leads to McCaffrey getting injured. But now things are a little bit different with uh, winning the West and, and kind of securing that three seed. So we're still in the hunt for the two seed, but we're, I think, potentially the one seed. I don't know exactly how all the standings work out, but we shall see if they switch it up and bring more Jordan Mason carries in, which is what a lot of the fan base wants, especially because Jordan Mason actually has been really good in-game. Apparently, there are, the word on the street is he's not so good at practice, which is why he doesn't get a lot of carries. But what Brock Purdy looked pretty good again. Uh, there was a couple plays he tried to make stuff happen, didn't totally work out. But he, again, he showed really good poise. Yeah, and he wasn't one hundred percent either. So um, I think uh, it kind of you know it showed that he can uh, make plays with uh, with his arm and extend plays and just get the job done, work the system and. He he's not making any dumb mistakes, which which is what a lot of rookie quarterbacks would do com- coming into the game like this. So, um, yeah, he's holding the team together at this point, and it, it looks pretty serviceable to get them in a, on a playoff run. Yep. Yep. So the Niners go up to ten and four, I believe. Yep. Ten and four. Seahawks drop down to seven yep. and seven. It's going to be a fight for them to get into the playoffs at this point, and the Niners are in pretty good shape. Um, they can fight potentially for the one seed. More realistically, the best they can get is probably a two seed. Uh, but they are still in contention for that one seed right now with how well they've been doing. Uh, so that was Thursday night game with the Niners and the Seahawks. Moving on to Saturday night football, we have a couple weeks of Saturday games, like I mentioned. The primetime evening game, and by far on paper the most exciting game of the day, uh, was the Dolphins and the Bills. This was in Buffalo, and the fear going in was that the weather was going to be very, very bad. Uh, there were concerns about a ton of snowfall and obviously pretty cold conditions, especially for the Dolphins players, who we, I don't think we mentioned on the show last <laughs> week, but they had in SoFi, uh, in, uh, when they played the Chargers, they had heaters on the sidelines, so going into Buffalo during a snowstorm uh, was even worse than that, uh, in that regard for them, but the snow held off as far as I could see until the fourth quarter, it seemed, and they were able to at least get the field cleared off after the early snowfall, then it cooperated until near the end of the game, um, but yeah. This was a very close matchup. I was catching some of this. I was at a party, so I was missing some stuff, but I caught the general gist of the game. It seemed like an exciting back-and-forth battle between two high-powered offenses, as we figured it would be. Um, It was pretty damn close all the way through, and then what I did see in full was the meticulous final drive by the Bills to just get down right near the goal line, and with no time left, they kicked the game-winning field goal with Tyler Bass. 
yeah, this this looked exciting from everything that I saw. Yeah, it was it was a good game. Um, Tua still was not quite as sharp as he had been the first, mm-hmm. you know, part of the year. Um, 17 of 30 for 234. Like he was fine, but didn't make any spectacular throws and was missing a few that he probably could have made to um, get the game closer, like throughout the game instead of kind of how it played out. But, um, you know, Jalen Waddell broke off a long one for 67. Uh, he had three catches for 114 yards. Tyreek Hill had more of the intermediate plays, nine for 69, but also had a touchdown. Like, um, so I think the Dolphins are sputtering, but this is the best game they've played in the last three, at mm-hmm. least. For sure. Um, and then Josh Allen is Josh Allen on the Bills. I mean, he he was sharp, um, threw for four touchdowns, over 300 yards, and ran for 77. Like, he just basically took over the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, big game for Dawson Knox, which doesn't happen too often, but he had almost 100 yards and a touchdown as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely by tight end standards, he had a big game. Yeah, and heaters in LA, uh that's a team full of Jays right there. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was a point of discussion this entire past week. And it's still happening right now, is talking about weather. Because we're getting it a little colder in the Midwest and in the Northeast, obviously, than what they're getting over on the West Coast. But it's pretty cold over on the fair, West Coast from what Arcadia is telling just, us. It's cold comparably. But relatively not, cold not by us. their own relatively standards. Relatively cold. Yeah, exactly. A, a frigid <laughs> frigid. A frigid forty one degrees yesterday. Uh-huh. Yeah. You poor yeah, thing. A little bit today. So, yeah. Tell me about it. It's going to be single digits for like a week. Yeah. Got an email from my complex a couple hours ago saying, be sure to leave your uh, your faucets dripping so your pipes don't burst and explode. So mm-hmm. that's that's always a fun thing about the, the winters here that you guys don't have to worry about. Uh, anyway, yeah, like we said, Bills yeah, won. They go up to 11 and 3. They're still the top seed in the AFC. They still have a tiebreaker over the Chiefs right now. This looked like one of the possible L's for them that could get the Chiefs back in the one spot. And it did not happen, but there's still three weeks left in the season. And Dolphins are still in position for a playoff push, but they've got to get at least probably one more win to make sure they get in, um, just depending on how the rest of the field goes. But yeah, both teams still clearly in playoff contention right now. Moving on to the Sunday night game. We had the Giants and the Commanders, a rematch from a couple weeks ago. Uh, this was a tie the last time these two teams played, and it was a 20-20 to tie, and it looked like as we got down to the home stretch of the game, it was realistic that we might go into overtime with a 20-20 to tie still. Uh, it almost happened on that final drive, but as was kind of a theme in a lot of games this week, there were some questionable officiating calls down the stretch in this game that ended up pointing things in a different direction than they were going initially. There were a couple missed calls. I, I would argue missed calls. Um that affected the commanders on that last drive and ultimately ended up turning it over on downs right near the goal line. And the uh, giants pulled this one out 20 to 12. Yeah. This is a, not the most exciting match I've ever seen, but this is pretty damn close. And it kind of sucked that the game ended that way with some blown calls. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't the best game, but it's probably the most or second most talked about game um, of the week, just because of the, the refs um, and the blown calls that we saw. Uh, There's a lot of, things going around on Twitter and pretty much every social media about the Terry McLaurin, um, illegal formation where he checked with the official multiple times, um, and got the go ahead, like he's good and he's still through the flag. Um, and then as well as the blown pass interference at the end. So, uh, so not much of a game like, like to talk about. What's that? Oh, just like the bone, the blown pass interference. Like it was yeah. probably the most obvious mm-hmm. pass interference. I think you can see in a, in the end zone, like, you know, hand checking and all that kind of stuff happens in the end zone all the time. But then it, uh, then it just like went out of hand, and I was like, "Wow, they really didn't call it." And it was a pretty, pretty poor officiating. 
And that's that's not even to bring up uh, the, I want to say the call, it, was it earlier in that same drive when I think it was Terry McLaurin yep. got called for an illegal formation mm-hmm. yeah, on a play that would have been a one. touchdown? Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. It was on the same, um, so it, yeah, it was on the exact same drive that ended the game. Um, that was the exact same drive, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was the, what was it, the second or third down play? Um, yeah. Or was it, was it even, yeah, but it was a run. It, it was in, uh, and McLaurin was called for that. And then that got called back. And they, yeah. So, uh, and the controversy yeah, around the whole controversy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Around yeah. that was oh, that yeah. he was, the ref was right next to him. Yeah. He was lined up on the outside and he mm-hmm. gave the thumbs up to the ref. And the ref gave, ref gave, the ref gave the thumbs up back to him to say he was good. Like he was where he was supposed to be and it wasn't illegal yeah. formation. And it, and it was even, it was even more they called than that. Like, yeah, but he said he asked. The ref told him to move up. He moved up. He asked oh, again and got the thumbs up. Okay. So he's like, "Okay, I'm good." Um, and he said that's how he's basically been lining up all game, um, kind of all year for the most part. And he's very detail oriented and was. He was like, "I'm not trying to get fined," but you could tell he was really pissed about it. Yeah, understandably so. Saquon looked really good on the last Giants drive. Yeah, that that last Giants drive, it felt like he was running every single play, and he was getting like eight mm. yards a carry. It felt like yeah. Yeah, this I mean, this game, like I was interested because these are two teams that are just ahead of the Lions. So now I know mm-hmm. kind of who to root for to lose kind of going out. Yep. Um, now that the commanders lost this, I am rooting for them to lose a couple games or even just one game. Um, I mean, if the Giants lose too, cool. Lions can move up to the sixth seed, but yep. uh, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, definitely, like it was only interesting to me because of that, because otherwise this game was not that fun on paper and mm-hmm. the game itself was pretty dull right until the end yeah it got exciting toward the end when i realized that overtime was another possibility yeah. the like the, the level yeah. play level play on both sides did yeah. rise quite a bit because the commanders on their final if drive they, before they got if stuffed, they tied again yeah <laughs> and we would have we would have yeah. gotten to see another 10 minutes of football before another tie yeah that would have been worst case scenario for the lions yep so you're Tell lucky you skirted it. that so um, th- thank you refs maybe yeah i don't know yeah we we love batter maybe they're like maybe there's lions fans. helps us yeah they 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 bet on the lions so yeah there we go let's go with that uh yeah that'll do it for the sunday night game moving on to the monday night game we saved the best for last folks it was the five and eight packers against i believe it was the four and nine rams heading into this game yeah uh, a matchup that we were just talking about before the show as one they definitely had earmarked as a big game for monday night football on paper before the start of the season then the season went the way it has for both teams. Obviously, the Rams fell apart considerably more than the Packers have. Um, and the Packers ended up winning this game 24-12. to 12. After the uh, surprising performance from the Rams and Baker Mayfield last week, this kind of brought them back down to earth, it would seem. I wasn't I wasn't catching too much of this game because we were, we were all doing other stuff last night, but everything I caught seemed like the Packers pretty much had this game in command the entire way through. Yeah, this was never really a doubt. Um, as I say every week that we cover a Rams game, I just always keep rooting for them to lose. Yes. Um, although if they had won, it could have, you know, knocked the Packers more out of contention because if they win their next couple games, um, they could actually be playing for the same spot the Lions are playing for. Uh-huh. Um, it's very possible. So, uh, I don't really want that to happen. So maybe they'll lose, uh, to the Dolphins this next week, but, um, we'll see. It was definitely, this was not a very fun game to watch. No. Um, Baker, He's just look. I don't know what happened in that Raiders game, but he he's not very good. And he, and this team with him coming out, you know, putting being put into the season this late, uh, it's not going to be a very efficient offense. No. Um, and the Packers are okay. They're a they're a five hundred ish level team this year, and Aaron Rodgers is 
not what he was, but he's still a good quarterback. So, you know, managed the game well. They ran the ball down their throat the whole game for the most part. Yep. Uh, and just kind of took command. It, it never really felt like the Rams had anything going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, I mean, the Rams have like nothing on offense. And Jay just sent a tweet here saying Skaronic's out for the rest of the season. Like one of the three yeah. wide receivers they still have, he's out for the rest of the mm-hmm. season now. Um, and also get, their center. Yeah, and also their center, Brian Allen, because their offensive line was also not good to begin with either. So, yeah. Yeah. Bad year for the Rams. Uh, they'll move on and hopefully have a lot of those people back next year, um, including Matthew Stafford. Hint, hint, as to a story that we might be talking about mm-hmm. in a little bit. Uh, yeah, Packers go up to six and eight. They're still fighting for that last playoff spot. They could still get it if the chips fall in a certain way for them, as Bobby said. Uh, but yeah, they were the only team that had any any chance left, and they're still alive. So that was the Monday night game. Only reason I cared about it was fantasy, which I'll get into in just a little bit. So that will do it for prime time. Now, how did our picks go this week, Bobby? Uh they were interesting. I mean, yeah. for the most part, we had the same. And then Arcadio took a big call going with the Dable-led Giants. Um, yes, sir. So with, yes, sir. So, uh, yeah. And with that, he was able to gain one game on all of us. So um, after that, um, I am 34 and 15, still leading by one game. Jay is 33 and 16. Then Arcadio, 32 and 17. Um, all this one game behind the other. Uh, and then Nick is a little bit behind that at mm-hmm. 29 and 20 need some uh, making up to do you got to pick some different guess, different games than apparently us, uh, going forward here yeah um, apparently but now on thursday night we are 43 and 25 sunday with uh three losses we are 49 and 11 monday we're back up to 500 at 32 and 32 and now we have a miscellaneous slash saturday category uh, yes. which we are four and oh in because uh, i did not want to lump that in with another uh, set of games so we're 128 and 68, which I'd say overall is is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. I do have some ground to make up. And at this point in the year, I don't think I'll make up enough of it, obviously. But I'll see what I can do. I'll see how wacky I can get with some of these picks within reason. Um, okay, so that will do it for discussing prime time. We'll move on to uh, the rest of the games. So on our rundown, normally, folks, we have a close game section where we just talk about, you know, there's usually a few really notable close games that happen. Sometimes it's bad teams just having an exciting game. Sometimes it's good teams matching up. Uh, this week, it was pretty much everybody. I, I just went through all the games that happened this week. Um, actually, I think I did the math wrong, but um, tw- at least 12 of the of the games that we had this week are one possession games out of a potential 16. Jesus. So. Yeah, this was an exciting week, uh, pretty much across the board. Red Zone was going crazy, uh, especially during the early window on Sunday. And obviously, we had some excitement on Saturday uh, with one game that we'll mention in just a second. Actually, we'll get to that right now. Um, So the first game on Saturday was Colts and the Vikings, which on paper seemed like a clear Vikings win going in. And um, for the first half of the game, it was anything but that. So I believe the Colts were up by a total of 33 to nothing at one point in the game. And that was well into the third quarter. I think let's actually check the summary here. Yeah, there were, it was 33 to nothing at halftime for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was 33 to nothing at half. Yeah. And the Vikings looked miserable. Yes, the Vikings looked abysmal. And Kirk Cousins was turning it over like Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. is known for doing at times. And it was a very ugly first half. They got shut out in the first half. So at eight twenty at the eight twenty two mark in the third quarter was when the Vikings got their first touchdown to cut down to 33 to 7. And from then on, it went to the point where the Vikings tied it up at 36 ultimately to get this game sent to overtime. This was insane. And it was turnover after turnover for the, uh, for the Colts offense. This, this all looked very similar for Matt Ryan, unfortunately. And it was actually an even worse loss than he took in that Super Bowl against the Patriots. This is now the, I'll spoiler alert folks. The Vikings ended up winning this game in overtime. This is the biggest comeback in the history of the NFL. Now 
It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. That is nuts. Um, it was it was painful. That was a that was just like man, because right, the as a Niners fan rooting for the Vikings to lose so that way the Niners can get the two seed. Yeah. But it's just like what? Just uh, how? How are you that bad that you have a 33-0 lead and you can't put up more than three more points for another entire half and overtime football? Like, it's not like they didn't get the ball in overtime, um, which I think, like, and it's just, like, you just so inept. And and for the Colts to have four wins out of that, um, just incredibly shocking to, to just, like, see how that happens. And uh, admittedly, some of those wins are really weird, but... The whole the whole game was weird. I, I think it's like at the end when the expected outcome happens, you can't be too mad because it's like you went in expecting that outcome, but the way mm-hmm. in which it happened was just so infuriating because it's like, are the are the Vikings actually a competent team? And like I don't know, I've been kind of I've been kind of low on the Vikings, and obviously that's a lot of bias coming from the 49ers fandom, but like, um, I've all, I just don't think Kirk Cousins can do it in big time games, and like. He, he put it together in this game. Admittedly, they ran some plays that just like cracked for huge touchdowns. Uh, notably, uh, a Dalvin Cook screen that just like oh, yeah. went to the end. Yeah, zone. that was massive. And yep. you're just like, okay. I, I mean, I mm-hmm. guess that's how this is going to happen, huh? And then, um, you know, he made some plays too to KJ Osborne and stuff. But it was really just a, a second. It was a second half collapse on top of what was ultimately a false lead in the first half by the Colts. And, what a game! What a, yeah. what a time! And the game almost ended in a tie too. Yeah, it was a field goal as as time ran mm-hmm. out in overtime that won the game for the Vikings. So I mean, they were either getting a tie or a win there, and the Colts were not winning that game at that point, barring some miraculous special teams play. But yeah, yeah, this Colts team is uh, it's something else. This is one of the weirdest teams I've ever seen. Like in the in all my years of watching the NFL, um, and obviously all the changes that have been made mid season have been very unusual. Yeah, so it's it's a whole thing with the Colts and the Vikings at times look really bad as we saw in that Cowboys game we saw against the Eagles early in the season and we saw for the first half of this game but they have some sort of clutch gene in them at times and Kirk Cousins can put it together at points it helps if this was not in prime time technically um yeah so I had Kirk Cousins in fantasy I'll mention this briefly he had negative points at at half and his ultimate style line he ended up getting 460 yards and four touchdowns uh he had two picks along the way but 460 and four touchdowns yeah, 460 pretty much all in the second, second half. game second straight game with with uh, over 400, 400 plus yeah. yards i mean they lost obviously uh last week against uh the lions but yes. um kirk he's you know he's putting some stuff together i mean obviously he did not have a good first half they didn't put up a point and he was turning the ball over like you said but that's that's a lot of yards to get in that amount of time mm-hmm. uh so, I mean, the Vikings are, look, I think they're good. I think they have a lot of flaws, but they find ways to win. Yeah. Um, this being the most miraculous, maybe. I mean, that Bills game was still pretty miraculous. Yeah. That oh, that yeah. even happened. So I don't know how they're doing it. They have definitely won some games that just were not likely at all to happen. Yeah. But. Yeah, I think they're 10-0 uh, on one-score games now. I think that's yeah. the stat, Jeez. yeah. I mean, they, they have nice. an overall... Uh, they have a negative point differential on the year, mm-hmm. uh, and they, you know, are eleven and three. So that's pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, but look, Kirk is he the best quarterback in the league? No. Is he? Does he usually uh, play well in, in big games? Not yet. But I think he plays well enough to possibly get them them a run here because the offense is a little bit more pass friendly than it has been in the in the past few years under the new coach and. Um, 
he's playing pretty well. I mean, he's up in the top, within the top, I think, six um, in yards, and he's not turning it over as much as he did in the past. So, like, they, they have a shot, but this defense has been pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, they definitely stepped up in the second half of this game, but I don't know if that's their defense or the Colts' offense just not working. Mix it both. Um, yeah, because Matt Ryan is done. He just doesn't have an arm anymore. Yeah. It doesn't seem like he'll make some throws, and then he'll make some throws that don't even look like he should be in the NFL. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this was a such a weird game because um, it it was one there I was I was tuning out of for a while, even with the, with the Vikings scoring a couple times, and then realized, oh wait, they have a chance. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, it's it was yeah. pretty nuts. Yeah, I got home because I was out in about Saturday morning afternoon. I got home right as the Vikings scored the first touchdown, so I only caught the fun part of the game. I did not catch the blowout that happened in the first half. Um, it was the same for me, ironically enough, with the Super Bowl that uh, the Patriots came back to beat the Falcons in. I got off of work after halftime, and I came back and sat down, and all I saw was the comeback. I did not see everything that led up to the blowout beforehand. So just kind of funny for me that both of the both of those crazy comebacks that Matt Ryan gave up, I was there in pretty much the exact same experience for. But yeah, one of the wildest games I've ever seen. Um, it, it, was, it was crazy. The group chat, as always, was cooking when that game was going. It was wild. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's go to other close games. One with somehow playoff implications still, the Saints and the Falcons. This was De- uh, Desmond Ritter's debut, uh, his, his debut as a starter for the Falcons. An abysmal first game for him, all things considered. But this is a close game that came down to the wire because these are two teams that all in all are not that great. The Saints end up pulling this one out 21-18. to So everyone is still alive in the NFC South. I believe all four teams, well, I guess uh, the Saints didn't, obviously. The rest of the NFC South lost on Sunday. So everyone's still alive for that division somehow, even though they all look abysmal in their own way this this season. Um, I did mention one funny fact that the Saints have a top 10 passing attack in the league right now. Yeah, you mentioned that, and that's kind of the only thing I remember about this game being shocking. Yeah. <laughs> that and um, the big Taysom Hill touchdown pass. That's right, yeah, yeah, um, Which was a big play. With the Lions being in big games here at the end of the year, I was, I'm paying less and less attention to the games going on at the same time, so I didn't really see... Um, a lot of this one, especially because it's not very exciting. Um, but yeah, I mean, these are two mediocre to bad teams, uh, th- but they played a close game. So if you're watching it, good for you. Yeah. If you're watching it, good for you. Also get some help. Um, yeah. 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 Not a fun game. The Saints won 21 18. So I believe the Bucks are six and eight and everyone else is five and nine, right? Five and nine right now in that division. So still anybody's division to take somehow. Uh, it, it should not be, but oh well. Uh, a more exciting game with uh, more pressing uh, playoff implications. The Cowboys and the Jaguars had a crazy game that also went to overtime, and the Jaguars somehow pulled this one off with a pick six in overtime to give them the win. Um, yeah, the Cowboys have looked a little sus these last two weeks, uh, taking it right down to the wire with the Texans and obviously then losing in overtime to the Jags, who are getting hot at the right time as the Titans are kind of reeling. There is Still very much a possibility that the uh, Jags can sneak into the playoffs with an AFC South division victory, depending on how these last couple weeks go. Yeah, the Cowboys, I mean, I still think, personally, I still think they're a better team overall than the Vikings, and it helps that they had that head-to-head matchup where they destroyed them. But yeah, they're not falling apart, I wouldn't say, but they're struggling kind of at the wrong time of year. They're they're having less momentum down to the end of the season than they would have hoped for, I think. And yeah, like I said, the Jags are getting hot at the right time. This is, this is very exciting to, to see unfold, I would say. Yeah, the Jaguars control their own destiny. Yeah, they do. They got to play the mm-hmm. Titans, I think, week 18. I think that's yeah. I think that's their yep. matchup. I, I It'll be a big one. So. Um, 
yeah, so Dak had a couple picks. Zay Jones popped off with three touchdowns on my bench in one of my leagues, unfortunately. Yeah, crazy game for the Jags. They're going crazy right now on offense, and Trevor Lawrence is finally looking like that guy that, you know, he obviously had the potential to be. And with Doug Peterson, it's sort of unlocking a lot for him, even though he still makes his mistakes every now and then. The Jags team, they're definitely coming on uh, pretty strong, and Trevor Lawrence is playing a lot better than he did. Um, He's just playing better game after game, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, last year was a disaster, but... um, He's, he's playing well. He's slowly starting to live up to his um, potential of that number one overall pick. So, yep. uh, yeah, I mean, putting up 40 points, is, even with a pick six, like that that's pretty big, especially against this Dallas team that is one of the best defenses in the league. At mm-hmm. least they've been considered that for most of the year. Uh, so definitely impressive by them. And Dallas is, uh, yeah, they, they're just not playing their best football and it's not the right time. Yeah. Another game to mention with playoff implications was the Chargers hosting the Titans. We just mentioned the Titans are reeling, and this was another loss for them. Uh, but this one came right down to the wire. This was 17-14, to 14, and Red Zone was cutting back to it periodically, but there, for a lot of this game, there was not much going on. Um, there was a, an injury scare early on for Ryan Tannehill where they brought Malik Wilson, but Tannehill came back pretty shortly thereafter, even though his injury looked pretty scary at the outset. Like the, It looked like he was in a crazy amount of pain, but he came back in pretty pretty quickly thereafter, all things considered. Um, yeah, not a, not a crazy offensive matchup. I love the note that I can only see Arcadio put here saying that Herbert was terrible for 59 minutes and then had one good drive and all of a sudden he's God. I'm assuming Arcadio put that there. You'd be correct. Yeah, of course I'm correct. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Herbert has had a kind of inconsistent season. Obviously, he's been hurt. And a lot of the way. I feel like we talk about this every single week. Like, he can be really good, and at times he is really good. And when it's time for a game-winning drive like that, he often delivers. And this is one case where that did happen. But, yeah, most of the game, the Chargers offense wasn't doing too much. And the Titans offense is just not good. I mean, they have Derrick Henry, but they really don't have much else. And this is another game where they showed that. Yeah, I mean, the the Titans, I think, are pushing closer to rebuild, even though they fired their GM, and uh, who knows what's really happening over there. But, like, once you trade A.J. Brown, it's hard to see how they win without, like, star talent at wide receiver to come. Because, like, like, I think you can employ the 49er strategy of you can have a good running back and a good wide receiving core and then a middling quarterback, or you can have, like, uh, a quarterback that leads the offense. And so when when you trade away your good wide receiver, it's hard to see how Tannehill can lead this offense. I think he just doesn't have enough production to do it. And so when you only put up 14 points, it's hard to win games. Yeah. Like you said, I think the Titans are getting closer and closer to that rebuild. Um, Derrick Henry is still good, but you never know how long that's going to last with running backs. And he's (laughs) getting up there at this point. Yeah. It's like his eighth or ninth Um, year now. Yeah. So you never know when it's going to just kind of go downhill for him. And um, that's their entire offense at this point. So, you know, unless Malik Willis comes on, and becomes a stud within the next two, three years, I think it's going to be a long kind of process and rebuild and someone else is going to take over that division and it very well could be the Jags. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely seems like that with Peterson's coaching and all the talent that they do have, that seems likely. And yeah, Malik Willis, every time I see him out there, like he had the full game against the chiefs where um, the defense kept them in that game, but he was abysmal. Like he's just so raw right now and he, he has not put the pieces together yet. And I don't know if he has the offensive minded coach that he needs to probably get him to that point. So yeah, the Titans are, I mean, they're still in a battle to get that division after it seemed like they had it locked up three, four weeks ago. Um, the Jags are hot at the right time, and the Titans are cold at the worst time. So uh, that will go down the stretch. As Arcadia said, the Jags control their own destiny as far as that division is concerned. Um, real quick before we hit the, uh, real quick before we hit our games, um, another like close game and um, sort of the 
potentially marking the end of an era. Is, uh, the Bucks had a 17 nothing lead and then also collapsed and lost to the Bengals 34-23 uh, at the end. Yep. And so another thing to keep your eye on, I mean, I think it's it's going to be interesting. The Bucks might still make the playoffs, but as a team with a losing record potentially. And so, I don't know, maybe Tom's Tom's clock has run out, but we it'll uh, we'll wait and see and we'll see what happens. Maybe he hits the TB12 method again and he's good to go next season, but more than likely not the case, so. My official stance is they will probably sneak in the playoffs and then all bets are off. That it continues to be my stance with yeah. this team and with Tom Brady in particular. Um, yeah, th- I was surprised we didn't have this game on the notes because this was kind of a crazy game to see unfold. It was not the most fun game I've ever seen in my life, but watching the actual development of this game was interesting because, like you said, the Bucks had a 17-point lead, then the Bengals got a field goal right at the end of a half, right at the end of the first half before going to halftime. And then I believe, let, let me check the actual play-by-plays for these drives. I think four turnovers in the third quarter the Bucks had, and they were all on their own side of the field, so the Bengals took over with great field position, like four different occasions just in the third quarter. Let's see, turnover on downs, interception, fumble, fumble, and the interception. And both. So and f- I think both fumbles were Brady. Yes, I believe so. Like, yeah, he's yeah, turning so- the ball over way more than I've seen him turn it over mm-hmm. in his career. I mean, he's been pretty um, efficient interception-wise this season up until this yeah, game. Yeah, but just, yeah, it, it interceptions, but fumbles and just plays that should be interceptions, like watching the games. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of in and out of guys' hands um, that could be picked because he's trying to force it a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Brady a lot of it is because... two fumbles and three two picks. Yep. Yeah. Like, a lot of it is obviously, like, this receiving core is not getting open, whether that's scheme or whatever, but he's trying to force the ball in, in there. The offense is not really moving the ball particularly well uh, and they're not really scoring points, especially in the red zone. So um, yeah, I, I'm not going to count out Brady because I do think they're going to make the playoffs at this mm-hmm. point, but um, they they just, they're not a fun watch no. uh, and Brady looks frustrated pretty constantly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking here. If I'm doing my math right, the Bengals only had like 230 yards of total offense in this game, and they still put up 34 points. That's how crazy the field position that they got every single drive in the second half was, and how much they didn't move the ball in the first half. Like none of these guys had crazy stat games. Burrow threw for exactly 200, but he had four touchdowns. And yeah, I mean, you can't give to people field position that many times, especially an offense like that, and expect to win the game. And they didn't. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to think people getting fired on the Bucks coaching staff at the end of the season. And I'm curious who they'll think of as a scapegoat for. I wonder if they'll just clean house as far as the coaching staff goes. Cause I know it's top bulls first year and maybe they'll blame left more because the defense is pretty decent still, but I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked um, if it's just a complete teardown, but um, I think bulls is relatively respected, yeah. you know, across the league. So I wouldn't be shocked if they give him at least one year without Brady. Um, if this truly is Brady's last year, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked either way, but I'm kind of expecting them to keep bulls would be my prediction. Yeah. Just cause it's his first year, but I think left, is probably gone. It's tough to say, like if it depends on how they flame out, like if they don't even make the playoffs, then I think it'll be more, mm-hmm. uh, tear Agreed. down and rebuild. And, but if they sneak it in, then I think they still keep everyone around and we'll see what Tom does. And then depending on what Tom does, they'll make decisions about the rest. Yeah. Because I think if you're going to bring in a new head coach, you probably want to bring in a new uh, quarterback. And if you're going to just keep Tom for another year, it's not like Tom's got that many years left. Like the age has started to finally kick in. So, you know, how, how much longer are you going to keep Tom for? And then subsequently probably uh, how, how much longer do you want to keep the current head coach for? Cause if you're going to go under a rebuild, do you really want to, 
stick with this head coach through the rebuild or do you want to find a better rebuilding head coach? So mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot of numbers questions to ask, but uh and so we'll see how it goes for them. Yep. Okay, I think we can move on to our games now. So the uh, first one that we'll go into, let's talk about the Lions and Jets. Yeah, so th- this game played out pretty similar to what I kind of expected, and I think I laid it out last week where I thought it would be much more of a struggle for the Lions offense, um, and it would have to be kind of a defensive battle. And that's pretty much what it was. I mean, it's interesting because the Lions my entire life have lost this kind of game. Um, they dominated the first half, very much outplayed the Jets, uh, and were only up by three. It was 13-10 at half. Um, and the game came down to the end where the Jets could make a miraculous play, and usually that's something that happens against the Lions. And it just <laughs> That didn't. sounds familiar, so, too. Yeah, so uh, I'm pretty excited about how the defense played. Uh, the run defense has been playing really well um, the last couple games. Uh, they only gave up 50 yards to the Jets here. Uh, and a team that really does like to run it. The offense gave, or the defense gave up a lot of long passes, um, but some of those were really lucky. Um, Wilson, Zach Wilson just kind of chucked it up and someone made a great play on it. So I'm not too worried about that. Our, our secondary is not fantastic, but um, some of those, like I said, just shouldn't have happened in general. Um, but this game started out pretty interestingly because Lions drove down pretty easily, got down to... Uh, first and goal, ran it four straight times and got stuffed on the one. Uh, but then they forced a punt and returned it for a touchdown. Like that hmm. does not happen for the Lions. F, you know, uh, usually we do we do that and then give up a ninety nine yard drive or something. So <laughs> um, that was pretty cool. Uh, the biggest play of the game. Um, well, actually, before I get to the very end, um, the most controversial call by Dan Campbell, which um, some people are criticizing. Uh, the Lions were up. Um, 13 to 10 still late in the game and went to kick a field goal, a uh, 54-yard field goal uh, instead of trying to punt and pin him deep. Um, and it's not like we have the best kicker in the world. He's, he's you know, he's okay, badly, but um, I think he probably should have trusted the defense there and punted. It was a pretty bad miss on the field goal, and then that just let the Jets go down and score a touchdown to, get, to go up 17-13 um, with about with like four minutes left. But the Lions then came back, got to about midfield, uh, and got stopped just short on third down, had fourth and inches, and the Jets even said, and I thought too, this was going to be another Goff QB sneak. We've done it a lot this year on fourth and short. Um, And instead, we did play action to to Brock Wright, tight end, who had just made a big drop earlier in the drive, and took it all the way to the house. Like, no one was even near him. They did not expect it at all. Uh, It was a great call by Ben Johnson, um, and Brock Wright finished it off, so... Um, that was really exciting. And then obviously, like I said, at the very end, Lions gave up a weird, crazy pass by Zach Wilson with, to get to one second left to try a 58 yard field goal. And it was a, again, a pretty bad miss by the jets. So hung on 20 to 17. I'm just happy to get the win. Uh, I knew that was probably the toughest game left on our schedule because of the jets defense. Um, and it was, and somehow we still won the game. And like I said, it's a game Lions lose 99.9% of the time my entire life. So pretty thrilled about that. Um, usually if we play anything less than an A game, we lose. So um, yeah, 2017, we pulled it out. One six to seven and we're back to 500 somehow. Uh, seven and seven and looking for a playoff run. Got the, the Panthers next week, which they're playing 
pretty good football. So we'll see how that goes. It doesn't look as easy as we thought it might be, but it's a team we should beat. So yeah, uh, hopefully we get above 500 for the first time in a very long time. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was going to ask when the last time you were at 500 this late in the season. It must be whenever the last playoff season was, um, right? 2017, I believe. 2017, okay. It was that or 2016 or 17. Okay. Still a long, long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. So it's very nice to see that for him. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm rooting for them in this home stretch. Yeah. For your sake and just because it's just kind of fun to root for a team that's been bad for so for so long. It's just fun. So I really hope they pull this one out. But we have three weeks left, so anything can happen. Um, next up, we will go to Arcadio for the Raiders and Patriots game. Let's talk about this game. What happened at the 59 minutes before the end of this game, Arcadio? Sure. So uh, I caught the first half of this game at my cousin's house because we were doing the tamalada like we do every year for Christmas, making the tamales. Um, yeah, the it pretty much seemed like the same Raiders story that you've seen every single week this year. Um, they looked pretty decent in the first half. They moved the ball. Uh, had to settle for some field goals, uh, end of the first half, they got a really big play on a blocked punt that they ended up converting into a touchdown. And, uh, yeah, they were up, I want to say 14 points at half, 17 to three, I think. Yep. Yes, it was. And, uh, second half we went to a family friend's house and we watched the game in the frigid outside in the frigid 41 degree oh, you poor uh, thing. California cold. Um, so it kind of felt like a kind of gave me memories of the tailgates when I was a kid and all that. Um, yeah. And then, and of course, you know, we were, we were messaging during the game in, in the group chat and uh, I, I brought up how I, I wonder how the, the Raiders are going to screw this one up. <laughs> and uh, you know, like clockwork, they throw a pick six pretty early in the half like a, just the route was completely jumped and it was easy trot into the end zone for for the other team and yeah the the Raiders on offense just went into cruise control like they've done every single game that they've led this year they go into cruise control they don't take chances and the other team gets the ball back pretty easily and marches right down the field and gets what they need to so th- there was one point where the Patriots went like 68 yards on two different plays to give themselves the lead. And so it was 24, 17 Raiders are going down for uh, a, a last minute drive in the last two minutes of the game. Um, They convert a big fourth down, which I was surprised because I, again, I've seen this story a hundred times this year. I just assumed that they were, they were just going to flail at the end. Um, They convert a fourth down. They start picking up some chunks and a very key play near the end of the well at of course at the end of the drive that ended up scoring the touchdown was uh, a deep ball to Keelan Cole and they called it a touchdown on the field and upon replay to me I was 100% certain that they were going to overturn the play because I I for sure thought that his toe was hitting the white I think everyone did yeah I did I too for I, sure exactly and the replay took a very long time. Yeah, it did. And usually when that's happening, that usually means it's going to go the opposite way of what you think. And in my case, that was that was indeed the case. And the funny thing about it is after the game, they said they couldn't find a clear angle to show that Keelan Cole was actually in. 
or to show that he was clearly stepping on the white. And the funny thing is, this game was originally scheduled for Sunday night football. And it had been flexed to the afternoon. And if it had stayed on Sunday night football, they would have had pylon cams. Which would have had a very clear mm. angle of the play. Wow. <laughs> so the Raiders catch every single break on that one play. And that also begs the question, you know, why don't they just have pylon cams for every single game? They're the NFL. They can they can spend the money. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to complain here. And then uh, the Patriots get the ball back. It's a tie game. There's 32 seconds left. They they start to march down the field, and my heart starts to sink. <laughs> and three seconds left. I I still cannot believe what my eyes saw in these last the the longest three second play of my <laughs> entire life. <laughs> instead of taking a knee to go to overtime, or instead of trying for a, a last second hail mary, the Patriots call a draw play to Ramondre Stevenson. And at first, it looked like Ramondre Stevenson was going to go 55 yards yeah, and score the touchdown because no absolutely nobody wanted to tackle him. It it, it was just it, it it was so painful for the first half it of was, this play. It was prevent defense, but like where were they? Everyone it was like, "Okay, someone get to him because he has a lot of room." And coming out the gate, Chandler Jones Missed the tackle on Ramondre Stevenson. He wrapped him up and he just slid completely off of him. So that's going to come into play later. But Ramondre Stevenson gets to about the 25-yard line, the Raiders' 25-yard line. And there's no time on the clock, obviously. And instead of going down, because he's about to get tackled and forcing the game to go to overtime, pitches the ball back to Jacoby Myers. <laughs> And Jacoby Myers runs around a little bit, is about to get completely lit up by Max Crosby, then throws across the field backwards to who he assumed would be Mac Jones. Well, he hit the wrong Jones because Chandler Jones ended up intercepting the lateral, drove Mac Jones into the earth as Mac Jones tried to tackle him and ran the rest of the way for the touchdown as time expired. Yeah, in was, what is probably the most insane, dumbest, like craziest play that I have ever seen as a Raider fan, and that's saying something. <laughs> and you're a Raider fan, yeah. So. Yeah, that that Mac Jones just that him just being thrown to the ground was the best part of that play, <laughs> yeah, and there were a lot it. of good things about that play. Yeah. Like that, I'm well, gonna remember that forever. That was the most satisfying stiff arm yeah. I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> yes. I've watched it at least 30 times in the last two days. You need that as a poster. I do. <laughs> so in light of that, I did see someone ask on Twitter, what's the worst play in NFL history? And a lot of answers were that. And I think I would still, I, I would agree with that overall. It's not the worst design play of all time because when the play fell mm. apart, that was obviously not the design of the play. I think the answer for that is still that uh, fake punt thing that the Colts tried to do that one oh time that Pat, that Pat McAfee talked that... about. That's still the worst. Yeah. Because, like, whatever yeah. the design was failed oh, miserably. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of execution of, I mean, that was clearly not what they planned. Like, they were just going to do a draw play, hope that they got lucky. It actually got, it, like you said, they went pretty far, all things considered. Um, but like, 
just go out of bounds. I don't know what they're thinking trying to lateral. Like, there's you can't convince me Bill, Bel- Bill Belichick told any of them, like, do laterals here because it makes no sense situationally. The odds of the odds of converting this at all, yeah, it's a tie game. No, there's no benefit. Was... Like, no. there's a benefit of getting a touchdown, but the odds of that are so minuscule. That's that's the reason no one does lateral plays is because the only time you should do them is if is your last, like, if you're at your 10-yard line, that's the only way you're going to get there. Like, that's the only time you should do those. So I don't know what and any of the guys involved were thinking. Only if you're losing. Yeah, only if you're losing. Like, they have overtime no, well within reach. It right. is right there. You just take a knee or you just run one play, see if you might get it, but that's literally all you need to do. Can I put on the tinfoil hat for a second? Yeah, tinfoil hat. Go ahead. So, uh, I've watched the replays of this like several times, obviously. Uh-huh. And, uh, people have pointed out that when Ramondre Stevenson pitched the ball back, Matt Patricia can be seen on the sideline clapping <laughs> as if that was what he was supposed to do. <laughs> oh if my God. If that's what it was, I will, uh, I would love that so much. <laughs> Does Mac Jones know so about this? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but uh, <laughs> it, I mean, it was ten seconds left too. It's like you, it was ten seconds left, and I presume they had no timeout. So like, you can't like, you you realistically can't get it within field goal range from your own forty five unless you already had it in field goal range before the run play started, and then like, just, I don't know, like it's just so many, wow, just like just you you watch that play and then you realize that not only is it the patriots versus the raiders it's the fact that the patriots are committing the stupidity on the play exactly yeah this like what is what is going on and then and then like suddenly the ball is in mac uh, in chandler jones's hand and mac jones is getting driven to the ground as if like as if it was the first sack of the game and like some no-name edge rusher just made a million dollars off that sack like that man got just absolutely destroyed and and then Chandler Jones walks it in for a touchdown crazy shenanigans for the last like two minutes of that game yeah yeah the most one of the most insane endings to any game I've ever seen just a total collapse of epic proportions that uh I I mean if it does get topped I'd be fascinated to see what tops it honestly just out of morbid curiosity and I really hope it doesn't happen to my team is all I can say (laughs) Um, yeah, just a crazy game, and it made the AFC playoff race, uh, just, just more complicated, of course, because that's what we needed, but, yeah, crazy game, and I'm, yeah, just hilarious, I have nothing else to say about it, um, we have anything else to say about the game? Just win, baby. Just win, baby. You're still technically alive over there. Moving on to the last game to mention is the Chiefs and the Texans game. So on paper, and in, in Vegas and all that. Uh, this seemed like an easy Chiefs victory. They're one of the best teams in the league, obviously. They were going against the worst team in the league with the worst record in the league. Uh, they're favored minus 14 and a half. But it's it's the Chiefs game. I, I know how these I know how these games go. They never cover when they should. Pretty much never. And this was one of those games where they didn't cover. The Texans kept it way closer than it had any right to be. Uh, more so than that, they were leading for a decent portion of this game. The Chiefs had to kind of come from behind at times. And I just don't get it. I don't get how, I, I mean, I don't get how they collapse this much. I mean, I do get it. The main thing here, more so than any poor play on their part, was that, and I never complained about this, folks, but the officiating in this game was fucking egregious in many, many, many different instances. There were questionable calls all over this game. They got penalized like crazy on one particular drive when they were on defense, and the Texans kept driving it down the field. They kept getting chance after chance after chance, and there were some reasonable calls and some that I could not possibly fathom. I could not believe what was happening in this game as it was unfolding. 
Like, the Texans weren't even doing much on offense. Like, they had just over 200 yards of total offense in this game, including the overtime period that it ultimately went to. And, like, I just... It's mind-boggling. Like, it's mind-boggling that this game was allowed to be this close by all parties involved. I mean, props to the Texans for staying in it and doing whatever they need to do, because that's the only way they were going to win this game was this game unfolding the exact way it did. And I guess props to the Chiefs defense in the end for forcing that fumble in overtime because the Chiefs offense had to punt it and they were not they were not getting that go ahead touchdown in overtime. So I don't know. I mean, this is I think I said in the chat, I'm less angry about this game as far as the Chiefs go, as far as their own performance than I was the Broncos game last week. But this is not how I want them to be looking at this point in the season. And even though some of the calls were absolutely abysmal, they did commit a ton of their own penalties in this game that like that you just can't do. Like you shoot yourself in the foot enough, whether it's turnovers or penalties or anything like that, it's going to cost you. And if teams this bad are almost making you pay for it, then just imagine what the good teams are going to do if they don't clean their act up. Because turnover differential has been a problem for the Chiefs this year. And I believe I saw their top three in turnovers and also top three in fewest takeaways on defense. So I mean, that's exactly how you don't win, and that's what they're doing in the home stretch of the season. They're very lucky that they're playing the teams they're playing right now. So I'm a little concerned, and I'm also just a little pissed off at the officiating and all that, but a win's a win, as they say. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of this game, Yeah, but I was shocked by what was happening during that it was even this close, and that, like you said, that the Chiefs had to play from behind for a lot of it. See, I was 14, and they almost tied it up at halftime, but Harrison Butker missed an extra point, which made me, made me become the Joker because he's been struggling this entire season since his injury, but he's also been a little more hit and miss since 2020 or so. Um, Dustin Cole with the Chiefs punter, I mentioned this, I think, yesterday. He has a theory that it's Tommy Townsend, uh, the, new, the new punter from 2020 onward, uh, that his holds have been the problem a lot of the time, which may or may not be the case. I'm sure it's both factors like, contributing to it, but... Yeah, kicking woes and spe- just special teams blunders in general are one of the biggest problems that the Chiefs have had this year, and that's that's going to cost us at a, a point late in the season. I just know it. Like all these different ways of shooting yourself in the foot, they're committing all of them at various points, and they're keeping, as they often do, they're keeping teams they should easily beat in in these games way too late in them. And it just like this is first world problems from a football fan perspective because obviously I have a great team and I appreciate the fact that I have a great team that they've been great for so long now, but seeing them like not reaching their own potential because of stupid mistakes continuously like this is the most frustrating thing I can imagine at this point. So it's obnoxious. It is very, very annoying. And I don't think they'll get the one C at this point if they keep playing like this, because these next three games, I still think they could lose to any of these three teams easily enough, especially the team they're about to play this weekend. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, the least happy I've been after a victory since last week when I was very unhappy after that victory, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think the upside is just that you've, the opponents continue to be these kind of opponents where you can kind of fuck around for the first three quarters of the game and then figure it out at the end and still probably be okay. Mm-hmm. But you do that one too many times and then you're going to get burned. Um, and, and I mean, I, I, who knows if Russ is coming back, I haven't been checking up on Russell Wilson news, but um, you know, the Seahawks, the Broncos and the Raiders are left and the divisional opponents are the easiest two of those. And so if they clear this week, it, it looks pretty smooth sailing to the finish line, uh, whereas the Bills have the Bears, uh, the Bengals, and the Patriots, and uh, that Bengals game will be pretty spicy. Mm-hmm. That's a, I think that's a Monday night game, I think it so. seems. And yeah. so um, that that will basically be the decider for the for the conference, I think, for that one seed. Um, yeah. But you know, you never know, and if the uh, if the Chiefs keep playing with fire, then they will get burned. Yeah, so I'm looking at the team stats, and I'm getting mad all over again. The, the Chiefs, out uh, they out-yarded them, I'll say, 502 to 219. 
Um, they had three times as many passing yards, essentially. Uh, they had twice as many rushing yards. And they had 10 penalties for 102 yards, plus they had the two turnovers. That's that's what kills you right there. And many of those calls I'm going to get very upset about if I think about them again. But, like, that, that such is life as a football fan. Like, that stuff's going to happen. And uh, this game was more of that than usual. And that's probably the reason it went to overtime. And p- part of it's just the fact that they play with their food too much. Which, this is one of those teams where they really felt like they could. So, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm unhappy, but they're also still tied for the one seed, so I can I can only be so unhappy. I just have to keep reminding myself of that whenever I get mad about this team. So yeah, that will do it uh, for the games. Uh, we'll quickly go through go through the current playoff picture. So in the AFC, the Bills are the one seed, Chiefs are the two seed, Bengals are the three seed, Titans are the four seed, Ravens are the five seed, Chargers are the six seed, and the Dolphins are the seven seed right now. In the hunt, we have the Jets and Pats both at seven and seven. Uh, we have the Raiders and the Jaguars both at six and eight. Uh, Raiders are, or uh, Jaguars are still in play also for a wild card spot if they don't win the division. But the division seems like an easier path to actually get in the playoffs for them at this point with the way the division is working out. Um, so that's the AFC. The NFC, the Eagles are the one seed. The Vikings are the two. Uh, Niners are the three. Bucks are the four right now with their division lead. Cowboys are the five. Com- uh, Giants are, are the six. And the Commanders are the seven. So we have a bunch of teams still alive for the playoffs here in the NFC. Lions and Seahawks both at seven and seven. Packers at six and eight. Uh, Panthers, Saints, and Falcons all at five and nine in play for their division at this point. And then the rest of the conference is eliminated. So still three games left, and still a lot of teams still alive. We have a lot of meaningful football going on this weekend. So that will be all exciting to watch. But that's how the playoffs are looking right now. So I think we can move on from first down. Now we can go on to second down, which is our news recap. Uh, and as usual, we start the news recap with the injuries. So we'll start with the most notable one. We learned, thanks to originally thanks to a, a weird odd shift, that Jalen Hurts is injured. <sighs> he has a sprained shoulder, and it's likely he won't play against the Cowboys this week. And there's potentially misses at least two weeks, if not three, depending on. I think I think if they have if they have the one seed wrapped up, he won't play week eighteen. I would have to guess. But it's amazing timing It is an amazing timing for Bobby, as we'll get into just in just a little bit. But yeah, so. The Eagles pretty much have the one seed. They basically need to win one more game, I think, and they're good. Uh, technically, they they need losses, I think, from both the other teams. But, I mean, they've essentially got it, all things considered. And if they can win one of these last three games with Minshew and his quarterback, then they're it's smooth sailing for them as far as that goes. Probably the best time in the season for this injury to happen to him, all things considered. Just not good for Bobby. Uh, also, Lamar Jackson's still out. Uh, he misses practice, missed practice again with his knee injury. Uh, we'll see if he gets back this week. The Ravens did take an L to the Browns this past weekend, and they lost their division lead. Uh, the Bengals jumped over them. They sw- those two teams still have to play each other uh, one more time before the end of the season, and we'll see if Lamar's back for that. Uh, Jonathan Taylor placed an IR with a high ankle sprain. Colts' season's pretty much lost at this point, so it's not the end of the world for him. Uh, hopefully he gets better quickly enough, but... Yeah, he's had a struggle of a season, as has that entire team, so that sucks for him. Uh, Kenneth Walker missed his practice today on Tuesday, uh, so he missed practice again today. going to be monitored throughout the week. He has a shorter week because the Seahawks play on Saturday in the early game on Saturday, um, so we'll see if he's back for that. A Seahawk who will not be back for that is Tyler Lockett, who underwent surgery on his hand. Says he could return in two weeks, so maybe for week 18, or if they get into the playoffs, he might be back for the wildcard game. But that's a bonus for the Chiefs who play the Seahawks this week. Uh, Devin DuVernay for the Ravens, placed on IR with a foot injury. Uh, a concerning one, Leighton Van Der Esch, linebacker for the Cowboys. Uh, per- they're apparently very concerned about his neck injury, given his history of neck injuries. So that's something to watch. Hopefully he comes out of this okay, but that is scary. Uh, it gets worse for the Cardinals because Colt McCoy is in concussion protocol. 
uh, not that not that their season was going well anyway, or that uh, or anything they do the rest of the way will matter really. But that's also something to monitor for them. Uh, Cam Robinson, left tackle. Who's he play for? Why am I not placing it? Jaguars. Jaguars. Okay, that's actually pretty important then. So he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Um, so that's that's a big blow for the Jaguars in this late season push that they're making. Dallas Goddard's back, so that is positive news for the Eagles after the blow that they took with Jalen Hurts. So some give and take there. Uh, other news stories: Zach Wilson has been named the Jets' starting quarterback for their matchup on Thursday night against the Jaguars. So that's interesting. Uh, have we heard if it's if Mike White's going to be okay and they just decided to go back to Zach or what? I believe it's it's still his ribs that they ha- he hasn't been cleared from. Okay. Uh, this I have not heard about until I read the on the rundown. So there is momentum building for the NFL to move the trade deadline back a few weeks. I had not heard about this. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. they're saying between one to two weeks they're gonna they're gonna move the deadline back. Interesting. So that would be cool. Maybe yeah. maybe increases more trades. Maybe keeps more teams in contention. Mm-hmm. Uh, draft news. First little bit of draft news that we've had really. Texas running back B. John Robinson is going to enter the draft. He's widely expected to be a high first-round pick. Um, as we're seeing with all the bowl games, we have a lot of guys who are sitting out bowl games because of their potential draft position and all that. Um, and we have a lot of guys who I don't know if they've officially declared yet, but we have a good idea of like the, the top 10, 20 probably that are going to go in this draft at this point. So that'll be something that we monitor as it gets closer to draft season. Uh, Packers news, they waived Sammy Watkins, who has just had a struggle for the last couple years of his career because he cannot stay healthy for the life of him. Um, he did get picked up by the Ravens, who, after Demarcus Robinson, they also picked up. They're picking up old Chiefs wide receivers left and right, it seems. Uh, for his sake, just because he's had, because uh, he is a former Chief that was on our Super Bowl team, and he's had a rough couple years of injuries, I hope he can rebound, but it just seems less and less likely as, as time goes on for him, so that sucks. And he's also a former Raven. Former Raven? Yeah, he spent time with the Ravens, I want to say it was this season, Was it prior this? to signing with the okay. Packers. I don't. I do not remember this. I think, uh, wait, it, yeah, I think it was there last season. Right. Was he? I think he was there last season actually, and then he left and went to the Packers because he was not with the Chiefs last year. He was with the Chiefs last in twenty twenty, I think. So I don't know, but he has not gotten much better since then. So hopefully he can rebound, but it seems less likely, as I said. Yeah. Uh, no, last. Yeah, he was there the whole season. I, I remember now. He's yeah. In the off season. Yeah, time is kind of a blur for me. Like the 2020 and yeah. 2021 seasons just blur together for me in my brain at this point. So I don't remember who was where for these last couple of years. Uh, last news story to mention, Matthew Stafford announces that he's not retiring despite some speculation to the contrary. Um, so he had the concussion issues and more pressing now is his, is his neck injury. I mean, he's mm-hmm. played for, what, 14 seasons now? Like, if he yeah, were to hang he, it up, we couldn't blame him for it. But he's also... He came, in, he came into the league as one of the youngest players ever. Um, yeah. because of his where he falls in his like in his uh year his, like he was yeah. barely 20 at that point um so it was yeah he's been around for a lot longer than you would think especially like looking at his age but uh i'm not shocked he's coming back um he's a tough guy that wants to play through everything um but we'll see how long his body holds up at this point because it's yeah. not looking good yeah, I mean, I hope he can rebound. I mean, for his sake, like, I know he wants to play the game, and hopefully he can still come back and play it at a high level. Obviously, up until this season, he was still playing at a high level, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as we saw with Peyton Manning, we know what neck injuries can do to a quarterback, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yep. Yeah, hoping for the best for him. Uh, but that will do it for news. We can move on now to third down, which is the fantasy recap. Ooh, it gets spicy here, folks. Uh, so this was the first week of the fantasy playoffs. 
Uh, so as I mentioned, three of us made the playoffs, Bobby, Arcadio, and myself. Bobby, you were fortunate enough to have a bye in this playoffs. Mm-hmm. Or in this first round of the playoffs, I should say. Arcadio and I, uh, we both had to work for it this week to get to the next round. And you want to go into your matchup first? Um, yeah, not not much to talk about, really. Uh, my I had some lineup decisions to make, and they not all of them were correct, but it didn't really matter because if I had made any other decisions, I, I still would have lost pretty handily and uh that's that's what happened um lost in this league ended my season and in my season in my other league i lost and i didn't get the help that i needed anyway so yeah fantasy football is over for me for the year but uh you know that, that's the game bounce back next season yep yeah it sucked i was for the sake of the pot, I was hoping you could pull that one out. You were against Colin, who was the mm-hmm. three seed. He was favored, obviously, and he has a very strong team. I was hopeful for you, but yeah, it, it did not go your way, and hopefully next season's better. And hopefully, I mean, ideally, all four of us can be in the playoffs next season, is the hope. Um, okay, so going on to my game, I was also in the first-round matchup. I was against Carlos, who I just played last week, and he barely beat me because of um, a bunch of injuries that I had, of like three guys that put up like a combined six-tenths of a point because of injuries that happened at the worst time. Uh, so this week, we both had a lot of our players back. I had a different lineup than I had, uh, and it was a very hit and miss for me. Or I shouldn't say very hit and miss, because basically one huge miss was Miles Sanders, who has had, like, his last two of his two of his last three games have been really, really good, and this was a down game to the ultimate degree for him. He only put up 1.9 points for me. The rest of my team did okay to really good. Kirk Cousins had his huge game, obviously, ended up with 32. Travis Kelsey bounced back after a couple slow weeks. He had 20. And I had some decent, like, mid-teens performances from a lot of people. And Cole Komet at Miflex, I could have swapped out for a couple people and gotten a little bit more little bit more from, but didn't happen that way. Um, I ended up getting 130, and then Carlos against me. He made it really close, because going into the Monday night game, uh, I needed, I was up by about 50. So he needed 50 points between Aaron Jones and Christian Watson and Cam Akers, and got 43 of those. And the Packers uh, took a knee like right near the goal line. So it could have gotten within like one point. And um, so I, I conceivably could have still been alive at that point. But luckily they just were able to take knees and I escaped with the victory. It was very close and I don't really feel positive about my prospects for a potential semifinal or finals matches at this point for me, but I am still alive, which I'm happy about because I had a weird back and forth season and I'm just glad that I did not get eliminated around one of the playoffs. So I'm happy, but I'm also a little concerned about next week. Uh, Jay, real quick, do you want to mention how you did? Uh, not well. Uh, my one win was a flash in the pan. I uh, was going into the weekend, uh, was real busy, and uh, forgot to make some what ended up being crucial lineup changes. Although I don't know if I would have made them anyway. Uh, I probably should have, but all that being said and done, I... Uh, that is the end question mark of my fantasy season. I think I might still have more constellation games to go, but um, as for like climbing the constellation ladder, I, yep. am, I am unfortunately out. So yeah, tough fantasy season. Uh, managed to end it on a good note though in the regular season, and then uh, we'll see what happens next year. Hopefully, I make some smarter drafting decisions and things work out better for me. Yep. Uh, so looking ahead to next week, Bobby and I are both still alive, like I said. So I am the four, I am the five seed, actually playing the one seed, who is JB, who is let's see, twelve and two on the season. Um, 
his team on paper never seems that great to me. And he, like scoring wise, he's not the top scorer, but he always does enough. And I feel like this is going to be a week where he just kills me. Is actually my prediction for how this goes. Just I, kills I, you. Yeah, I think after the whole season he's had of like some like because he has some good guys on his team. He has Devontae Adams, who when he explodes, like JP's going to win every single time. When Devontae Adams has a huge game, like it's just over. And he's got Saquon. He's got Zeke. Um, he has Dak Prescott. He's usually pretty good. Brandon Ayuk, who's had a couple off games, but he's pretty good. Like his lineup's really good. They don't all perform at the same time uh, all the time, which is an issue that I think I have a lot. But on paper, his lineup just destroys mine. Absolutely destroys mine. Which hopefully means I'm going to win. Uh, but I don't expect this. I'm currently, the uh, projections are not in my favor already. And I'm sure that won't get any better. Because I have a lot of guys who are very inconsistent on my team. I pretty much only Kelsey. And even he's had a couple down games this year. Like, no one's ever perfect like every single week in fantasy. But I have a lot of guys who I'm not really confident in. And I think certainly on paper, he definitely has the advantage. So I'm I'm very worried and I don't expect this week to go well. But stranger things have happened. Uh, Bobby, what's your matchup looking like? Uh, so I face Colin um, this week and he's got a good team, but we both have a couple injuries. Like you say, like you said before, Jalen Hurts at the literal worst time of the year for me, at least, um, is going to be out most likely. So I got to pick up a quarterback. Um but also Colin lost Tyler Lockett as well. So with those two injuries right now, projections, I am projected to win by a, a few points, like three. But uh, we'll see. I think it's going to be close. We both have good teams and we both have injuries. But um, yeah, definitely not the best time for one of my star and most consistent players to go down. So yeah. got to hope that one of these guys off the waiver wire comes in and at least puts up maybe 15 just to, mm-hmm. you know, keep me in the in the matchup looking and at that waiver wire you. is uh, not pretty yeah no i mean I, I have a guy i have a uh um waiver wire claim in and we'll see what happens mm. but um yeah it, it'll be something and then also hopefully Gardner Minshew can get some uh chemistry with aj brown real fast because uh, yeah that's also my top receiver as well um and then kenneth walker we'll see it basically will come down to him or mike evans but yeah, it's going to be a tough matchup. It's the playoffs. Injuries happen. Um, it's unfortunate, but you got to deal with it. And my team's been good all year. I just got to hope that it, they perform and um, and move on to the next round and maybe face you again. Yeah, fingers crossed. I was about to say that that it is an all pod finals in our league, so we both go away with some money. That is the hope. We will see if it happens mm-hmm. that way. Um, I would love for it to happen that way, even if you end up beating me, just because it's nice to say that two of us made it to the finals. Uh, but again, I don't expect this. I, I expect that I will fall here. And I'm setting it up real thick so it actually ends up working out in my favor. It's not going to work that way, of course. But we'll see. I'll report back next week on hopefully one or both of us are still alive in the playoffs because if nothing else, I want one of us to win this whole damn thing. If one of us aren't in the finals, that'll be pretty disappointing with the way it'll be very sad. We won't even have a fantasy. Yeah, be, we won't even have a yeah, fantasy we'll just, recap like, we'll the week be after. Silent. Yeah, yep. it'll be blank. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to skip over all the performances and stuff this week, um, the booms and busts. If you're very curious, folks, you can look it up. But uh, yeah, because this is a time-sensitive episode, I'm just going to skip over it. But as far as our leagues go, Bobby and I are still alive, so we will report back in a week's time, hopefully with some good news uh, from both of our matchups. So that will do it for Fantasy. We can move on to fourth down previewing next week's games. And as always, we will start with prime time. So Thursday night, we have the Jaguars at the Jets. Uh, Jets currently favored minus one. Pretty low over-under of 38. Um if again, if we're going off of momentum late in the season, the Jags currently have it right now. The Jets defense, I think, will give them some struggles, um, maybe more than they've had 
than they have the last couple weeks, but they just put up 30, 33 points basically, or 34 on the Cowboys defense, who was one of the best in the league. So we'll see. The Jets defense is pretty good, but I think I'll go with the Jags here. I think they're more consistent on offense than the Jets are. I think they'll overcome the Jets defense. Yeah, uh, that was my thinking. I mean, just watching a Jets game, I think they're going to keep every game pretty close. Yep. Um, I mean, they've, they've held the Bills down pretty well a couple times, so... Uh, the Jags are going to have to have a tough fight on offense, but I think that the Jets, I, I don't trust Zach Wilson and he's going to be the quarterback. Yep. I think there were some miraculous plays that were very lucky against the Lions that most likely should be picks. So um, I think it's going to be a tough game and the Jets could definitely win, but I'm going to go with the Jags as well. Yeah, this isn't going to be one of my spots where I differ just because Bobby picked the opposite team. Uh, I'm also going to take the Jaguars. Um, they're getting hot at the right time. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is playing very well. Zach Wilson just is not. And yeah, that's that's all there is to it, really. The Jaguars beat a really good team in Dallas last week. And I think the Jets are an inferior team to Dallas. And yeah, I think Jaguars are going to get the W. Yeah, I mean, I think the only potential question is maybe if the weather's going to play a part in it. I don't know what the weather's at, at the Meadowlands on uh, on Thursday night, up. but um, yeah, you know, I think it's it's uh, going to be another close one. I think uh, I was originally when I first looked at, it, I was like, hmm, maybe I'll take the maybe I'll take the Jets, and then I was like, ah, Zach Wilson does not inspire confidence. Yeah, so I'll stick to the Jags on this one. But I mean, I could see the Jets winning this, but. It's just really hard to put your money behind or, you know, put your bragging rights, I guess, behind Zach Wilson to come together and put together a clutch performance, especially against the Jags defense, which is quite good. Um, like the Jags defense is no joke. So um, we'll see what happens. It will be a rainy game. Yeah. East Rutherford, high 54, 90% chance of rain on Thursday. So we'll see. Oh, OK. Yeah. No, I'll take ETN over who's who's the running back these days. Bam Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Knight. Yeah. Knight and James Robinson got traded there and he hasn't done shit. He has a, oh, yeah. the James Robinson revenge game. Yeah. That uh, is going to go yeah, for 200. He's going to. Right. No, he's going to have <laughs> maybe two carries in the game. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So that's Thursday yeah. night. Seems like we're unanimous for the Jags there. Saturday night, once again, on Christmas Eve, the nighttime game, the Raiders are in Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. Steelers currently favored minus three over under of 39. Arcade, you can start here. How do you think your team's going to do against Mike Tomlin? Uh, the Raiders are going to lose. I'm picking them to win. Ah, classic, classic <laughs> Arcadia. Yep. It, it's it's going to be a cold game. I know that. Um, I want to say single digits. And uh, Raiders are at full strength on offense. I, I don't think anybody's really banged up that I can think of. Um, they're coming off of a big emotional win. History says this is usually the game that they let down, but I, I can't pick against my team. Uh, Steelers are are coming on a little bit. They're well coached. It looks like they're going to get Kenny Pickett back. Uh, so it, it's not not ideal for the Raiders, but I I think they're going to get another big revenge on the anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. They cannot shove about the Immaculate Reception in the marketing for this game. That's all they've got. I'll uh, I'll roll with uh, Arcadio. And take the Raiders as well, just because uh, the vibes, purely on the vibes. Okay. You come off a win like that, 
you know, the the Raiders are going to let me down, but it's okay. I'll uh, I'll roll with them because I I believe in their vibes. That's a classic yeah. J response after Very a classic Arcadia yep. response. A lot of vibes. Bobby, um, Bobby, are you going against the grain here or is it just me? No, look, I'm, I'm sticking with what I wrote down uh, as much as I'd like to pick differently. But you know what? Picking the same at this point is going to keep me ahead. So um, <laughs> honestly, it's it's what but it's it's what I think anyways. I think the Raiders are going to win this game. Um, I think they have a lot more talent than Pittsburgh right now, especially at the quarterback, quarterback position because Carr has a lot more experience at this point than Pickett. Um, Steelers are well coached. I think it's going to be a pretty close game, but I think the Raiders are going to win by about a touchdown. Um, so going with the Raiders, I think they're going to pull it together on offense and pretty much run it down their throat for the most part, and then have maybe a couple of big plays to Adams. But um, yeah, going with the Raiders. Yeah, I, I went back and forth in this one. I'm ultimately going to go with the Steelers this time, but uh, either outcome here would not surprise me at all. Um, going by Arcadia's rule, the better coach team, I do think, is probably the Steelers, but they have significantly less talent, especially on the offensive side right now. They have a lot of guys who are young and have potential, but I don't think they're there yet. I'm talking myself out of this right now as I speak, but I'm still going to go with the Steelers. Um, yeah. You can change your pick. That's fine. No, I'm not going to change my pick. I do have to make up ground, but that's not the only reason I'm going with it. I just feel like this is, like you said, this feels like the kind of game the Raiders would lose and disappoint in, a game that they should win. So I'm going to go with the Steelers on this one, even though I'm not confident whatsoever. Uh, Sunday night, this sounds bad. Sunday night is the Bucks at the Cardinals. Tampa favored minus six and a half. That's how bad the Cardinals are at this point in the season. Um, over under a 41, that's generous. Given these two yeah. teams, uh, yeah. yeah, it's not going to hit the most over. Of that is the Bucks scoring. Yeah, this will be low scoring. This will be ugly, and the Bucks will win. That's what yep. I've got. Give me Tampa Tom against Cliff a joke Klingsbury. You say Klingsbury? Klingsbury. Kingsbury. Back up quarterback on a bad team. Trace McSorley? McSorley? Yeah. Yep. Possibly. Oh, is Kyler Maybe out? Third string. Wait, Kyler yeah, Kyler's out for the year. Oh, right. He's out here. Yeah, and Colt McCoy's in concussion protocol. Colt McCoy's in concussion protocol. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, give me me Tampa Tom all day. He just lost to a third-string quarterback, though. A much better team, though. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let that get in the way of a good story. The Cardinals are bad with or without Kyler. There's no way I can pick them to win this game. Yeah. Uh, They're going to win this pretty handedly. Give me Tampa Tom. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're all picking the Buccaneers. Okay. Yeah, that's Sunday night. We will stay consistent on Sunday night. Uh, Monday night, last game to mention, the Chargers at the Colts. Chargers favored minus four, over under 46 and a half there. This is a battle of, will the Chargers charge or will the Colts colt at this point? And I think the Colts will colt again. I think the Chargers The Colts colted pretty hard this week. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The Chargers have been a little better than you would expect them to be late in the season these last couple weeks, just because, you know, historical precedent of the Chargers being the Chargers. But yeah, I'm going to go with the Chargers here. It might be a close matchup, question mark, but I'll still go with the Chargers here. They're the better team, and they should win. Yeah, uh, I can't pick the Colts to win a game at this point. Nope. Yeah. Unless they're playing a like, unless they're playing a Houston, um, and even then it would be close. So I'll, I'll pick another tie before I pick a Colts W in that one. <laughs> right. So Chargers Herbert is gonna play a million times better than Matt Ryan, um, and even if it's close, I think it's gonna be a Chargers win no matter what. 
Yeah, this could have been interesting if Jonathan Taylor hadn't just gone on injured reserve. At two. So they're going to be giving majority of the carries to Deion Jackson and Zach Moss. I have more faith in Deion Jackson, I suppose, because he's he's proven this year to be pretty good in relief of Jonathan Taylor. But neither of them are the talent that Jonathan Taylor is. And outside of that, I, I don't see the Colts really matching up very well against the Chargers. I'm going to take the Chargers. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I think this one's an easy one. It's the Chargers. I'm not. I'm not. I, I picked the Colts once, or I think twice so far, and I'm one and one on on picking the Colts. And uh, you know, uh, Justin Herbert's better than whatever is going on in Indianapolis. Like, uh, just yeah, Herbert good. Uh, Herbert with weapons, especially good. I think it's. I think it's possible for them to make this an easy one. Um, and Lucas Oil's an indoor, right? Uh, yeah. stadiums so. yes good okay easy and there we go for primetime those are our primetime picks now our teams this weekend start with the lions as you mentioned bobby they're playing the panthers this one's in carolina uh lions favored minus three over under 43 and a half lions should win this one but the panthers are doing surprisingly yeah. well for all the things they went through this season they're doing surprisingly well right now Look, if you look at it one game at a time, the Lions should win this game. Yes. It's also very hard in the NFL to win seven of eight. Yeah. Um, and the Panthers are playing good football. So, you know what? I'm I'm trying not to be too optimistic every game yep. here, but I'm looking at it as we should win, but I know it's not going to be as easy as it should. So, mm-hmm. um, look, it's a road game. I think the Lions offense should cook. Uh, and hopefully our defense can hold up and stop the running game like we have been. If we stop the running game, I think that it's a for sure win. Because um, I don't trust Sam Darnold right at this point. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, it's hard to be optimistic as a Lions fan ever, but I'm pretty optimistic about these last few games, um, and this included. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, hopefully we just keep playing like we have been and put together another win and keep moving along and get towards that playoff spot at the seven or six six seed in J land the niners are hosting the commanders this week niners favorite my seven over under of 39 uh niners should win this one uh commanders are coming off of the loss and the niners are just a better team on both sides of the ball uh but this this might surprise some people it might be a little closer than people might think yeah i mean it might be a little bit closer but uh the uh Niners offense is starting to click and the Niners defense is starting to get a little bit more healthy and there might be some more players up for this week. So we'll see really it comes down to health, but I think um, our defense versus Taylor Heineke. Good luck. Good luck, Taylor Heineke. I wish you well <laughs> against Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead. And they're going to uh, carry my fantasy team this week. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, well, the, the Niners defense is, is uh, pretty strong and, I mean the commanders are good, but uh, they're they're an okay team. They are I don't think they are in the same echelon as the 49ers. and so I go into this game with the, quite a bit of confidence. Of course, it's the NFL, so really anything can happen. But I'm also in a position where, you know, if we throw the next three games, we're the three seed. So there's nowhere to really go from here. Like we could lose the next three games, we'll be the three seed. We could win, and maybe we get to up as high as the two seed. Maybe the one seed, those two are really unlikely. Um, maybe the Vikings drop a game, but like for all intents and purposes, these are just games to get Purdy more incom- uh, like incorporated to the offense and and get him more game reps, and that's that's what I'm mostly worried, uh, you know, thinking about. And so 
I'm not like these next three games. I'm not super like, I think we did what we needed to, which was make it to the playoffs as a division winner. And now it's just trying to get the team to gel a little bit more as we get all these like players back and get our backups in order. Yeah. Um, really quick. I'm, I'm going to be a big fan of a couple of your teams this week because mm-hmm. um, if three of our four teams win, so if the Lions, the Chiefs, and the Niners win, then the Lions are in a playoff spot That's at the right. end of the week going into Christmas. So, um, yeah, if we at least get a 3 by 4 and obviously I'm going to be rooting for the Raiders as well um, to get that 4 by 4 but if three of our teams win, Lions could be in a playoff spot by the time we talk next. Yeah, that is exciting. And speaking of the Chiefs, as you said, the last game to mention, the Seahawks are in Arrowhead to play the Chiefs. This is going to be an insanely cold game. Uh, Saturday, we have a high of 15, low of negative 2. The real feel, I believe, is like minus 6 for kickoff at noon on Sunday here. Um, Glad I'm not in town for that uh, uh, for a variety of reasons. But uh, yeah, this is going to be a cold game. And the Chiefs are obviously more acquainted with really cold games. They play in January, obviously, a lot. So they're used to that. They're used to the elements as far as that'll go. Uh, The Seahawks are kind of reeling right now, and they're missing Tyler Lockett. So... In theory, the Chiefs should win this game, but you can say that about pretty much any game they play in any given season, and these games have been a little dicey lately, but I still think the Chiefs are going to pull this one out. I think they'll be a little more motivated, um, and I just think they're more prepared for the situation than the Seahawks are. And, I mean, for Elena's sake, it would be cool if the Seahawks were doing a little bit better, but this is not the time for them to start doing better, and I really, really hope they don't, because I think the Chiefs still have a good shot at that one seed. So that is it. That is it for our pickums for our teams and our predictions and all that. Uh, a couple other major games happening this weekend. Bengals are at the Patriots. That one has some serious playoff implications. Cincinnati is currently favored. Um, Giants at the Vikings. Same deal. Vikings are favored in that one. It might That one might surprise some people because the Vikings are a little inconsistent. Let's go, Dable. Yeah, let's go, Dable. Um, no, let's yeah, Bobby, Bobby's rooting against Dable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, also Eagles at the Cowboys. That will be interesting. Division's probably out of reach for the Cowboys. Eagles can pretty much lock up the one seed with the win, but they'll have Minshew in more, more than likely. Um, and Minshew, will, uh, he's going to miss practice time because he's delivering a eulogy at Mike, Leach, Mike Leach's funeral. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that sucks. Um, yeah, we'll see how much we'll see how much he can gel. As Bobby said, he will need to develop some chemistry with these receivers very quickly um, against that Cowboys defense, which... It's been a little sus the last couple weeks, but against a backup quarterback, that might be the way that they rebound. So we'll see. That game is not as important feeling right now as it could have been, but still a big game in the NFC East and for the NFC playoff picture as a whole. Um, Last note, uh, because it's Christmas weekend and Christmas Eve is on a Saturday, Christmas Day is on a Sunday. We only have three games on Sunday this this year uh, for this week 16. The other two are pretty much all the games except the Packers Dolphins on Sunday, the first game on Sunday might not be so bad. But Broncos Rams, this is the Nickelodeon game, by the way. Both uh, a matchup of four and ten teams. Uh, Jim, Jim Nance and Tony Romo have to work on Christmas to call that game, and I feel kind of bad for him. But yeah, that's how yeah. Sunday's looking, and that's a basic overview of how Week 16's looking. Uh, we have a lot of important games happening. Obviously, the last few weeks before the playoff finally takes shape is uh, it's a wild time, and this is no exception. We have a lot of movement from week to week in the playoffs, and that's always exciting. Yeah, quick thing before we wrap up. Uh, it's weird to um, care this much about the Lions, and it's telling that uh, my parents changed the time of Christmas Eve oh. so that we could be there for the Lions game. Look at that. Because originally it was supposed to start around 2.30 or 3, so in the middle of the game we'd have to leave and get there, and we changed it to 1 to get there for <laughs> the game. <laughs> nice. So 
yeah, it, it's going to be on. It, everyone's going to be locked in. It's going to be a good time. Uh, and it's very odd to have the Lions play meaningful football this late in the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will be in Colorado for the Chiefs game on Saturday. And since the Broncos play on Sunday, I think there's a decent chance we get that broadcast in Colorado Springs. But I'm not sure. I might have to find it on the laptop somewhere to play that game. But not missing that game. We I don't miss Chiefs games, even though I'm going to be around family that could not possibly care less about the Chiefs. So. Yeah, that's that's how things are looking around here. And I'm very excited for the Lions, and I really hope they pull this one out. I'm That's who I'm most excited for, because like, the Chiefs are in, and the Niners are in, and the Raiders might get in, but the Lions, it's been so long. I would love to see some magic for the Lions at this mm-hmm. point in the season. Yeah, get in as the seven seed, beat the Vikings as the two seed, and then lose. That's what's going to happen. Nope. Nope. <laughs> we have a chance. No, uh, honestly, yeah, I, you saw me in the, uh, the group chat uh, during the game. Like, this is the most like heart pounding game I've I've had as a Lions fan in a, in a very long time. So I'm very locked in. I'm, I'm excited. Let's make a run. Let's make a run. You heard it here, folks. Let's do it. Uh, that will do it. I think for us, for our whole week, week 15 or week 15 recap, easier for me to say, uh, sped through a lot of this more than we usually would, but it's a holiday week. I won't have time to edit this and all that, like I said at the outset. So if we had a little bit, uh, a few more errors in there, just like the one I just made, than usual, you'll know why. Um, but that will do it for us, folks. That's a little preview into what a regular episode would sound like if I didn't fix our audio constantly. That's what it looks like. But that will do it for us for week, our uh, week 15 recap here on 4th and Infinity. We will look forward to week 16. Hopefully we all come back bearing good news again after the 4 by 4 we had this week. Um Hope everyone has a good Christmas, a great holiday weekend. Everyone stay safe and all that. We'll be back after Christmas, but before New Year's to recap week week 16. So we will see you next week. Goodbye, folks. Shout out Messi in the World Cup. Yeah, shout out Messi. Go Messi. Argentina, let's go. I'm into soccer now. <laughs> <laughs>